Good morning, Lift Church. How's everyone doing? Come on, I know this is the best church. Come on, shout it out real loud. It's good to see you. I, I'm so glad to be a part of this church and to be sharing this morning on um, what, what we've been uh, diving into for five weeks, just about faith and how God is uh, building a faith inside of us and he's going to use us and he's going to do something amazing. And I'm excited to conclude uh, this message today. But before I get into it, I realize that I might have uh, failed to, to properly make sure that y'all understand the order of events and the timeline of this summer. Because in case you haven't heard, this summer we're changing venues. We're going from a Regal Theater into the old Gander Mountain, which is the new Live Church home. And so I realized that I want to take uh, some, a good amount of time to make sure you understand all the excitement that we have been planning and preparing for and building and praying towards and giving towards so you can see just the summer God has planned out for all of us. So here's, um, they're going to put up on the screen an order of events and you might want to take a picture. In fact, what could help you or hurt you on the way out is every year we have our second favorite uh, series of the year is Summer Lift, where every single Sunday we have a themed way to connect with you. It's going to be exciting. You're not going to want to miss all summer long. Unless you're on vacation, you're going to want to be here because we've got special things planned just for you, and it's exciting. And so every single um, uh, year we do magnets that you can put on your fridge. And I debated on not even giving you these magnets because we knew um, when you're in a construction project, you never really know where you land on any given day. And so when we printed these, we had a good plan <laughs> and some things have changed. So um, we're giving you these on the way out if you'd like them. The first three days are solid. <laughs> and every one of these dates are correct in case you want to hold on to it. But the theme of the day might change a little bit as we're stepping into the new building because we're trying to be as best as we can to be fluid and pivot and do what's best for uh, you guys. And so um, here's, here's uh, what we know to be true. Um, we are, have only three more Sundays we're meeting together in this Regal movie theater. Come on. That's pretty exciting. For four and a half years, we've been here every single week. And um, I'm going to need your help letting other people know because I, I, I don't, uh, uh, in, in America today, the, the typical norm has become that if you're a churchgoer, one out of every three Sundays has become the pattern. And I don't warrant that. That's not biblically sound. But I do want to be relevant to where people are at. And if you know somebody who that might be their pattern, I'm not trying to throw condemnation. I just don't want you to show up at Regal Theater four weeks from now because we won't be here. So I'm going to need your help making sure everybody gets the message. Next week, we start a brand new series, Summer Lift, and every single week, there's a theme. And so next week is Father's Day, and since so many people love at the movies, that's our favorite series of the year, that happens every single November, and some of y'all are new here, and you're like, what's at the movies? Well, we want to give you a taste of it for just one week. We're calling it Movie Sunday next week on Father's Day, and because it's Father's Day, we picked the most testosterone-driven movie we could in honor of men. Come on. If you've had trouble getting men here, it should be easier than ever next Sunday because we're going to be watching the movie Top Gun. Come on. Who's got a need for? That's what I'm talking about. You know the movie. 
And Jesus so oftentimes taught modern-day parables of his day to teach kingdom principles. And so next week, we will use a modern-day parable, all y'all know all about because you just finished the sentence, to teach biblical principles. And it's going to be exciting. We even got motorcycles that are going to be parked in the aisle on your way in because we like to transform the theater. There's going to be popcorn and sodas for you. You're like, are we having church? Yeah, we're having church because you're going to know more about Jesus and take a step closer to him by the end of it. Amen? So that's next week. Two weeks from now, we'll have five for five, which is always a favorite. That is five people who are part of our dream team is going to be sharing for five minutes each. And we love this one because God always ends up hitting every individual in a different way with a different speaker. And it's just so cool to hear where God has different people at and revelations they have. So you're going to want to come out and support and show some love and take some notes. Three weeks from now will be our last Sunday in the theater. We call it Youth Takeover. Why? Because we have an amazing youth ministry and a young generation that's on fire for God. Come on. They will have just gotten off of a week-long camp, and their faith is going to be sky high. So the Bible says that some of us old people need to actually learn lessons from the young people. So we let them take over everything. It's awesome. They take over our cameras, our sound. They take over our announcements, which is hilarious. They take over their worship team, takes over worship. And Pastor JT will be pre preaching because he's our generation's pastor. If you've loved it in the past, give it up for our next generation right now. It's awesome. And so you're not going to want to miss a single one of them. In fact, we've given these out. It's a simple way to invite somebody. I encourage you, pass some of these out and tell some of your friends. There, I want you to come to the new building, but you got to come before they leave the movie theater so that you can see how God's working in a movie theater. Come on, y'all. Pass out a few of these and invite your friends over the next three weeks. Then after that, we're going fluid. <laughs> We're going to be nomadic like the Old Testament. Pick up the tent and move a little bit, okay? And, and so here's what it's going to look like. On uh, four Sundays from now, we're, we're, we always have serve Sunday uh, or serve day every single summer. Well, we're moving it to a Sunday, and we're saying don't go to church that day. Be the church that day. And so we'll have like 20 different projects you can sign up for. A lot of them will have to do with getting our new church home ready. we got to put chairs together. If you've got an a, a, a automatic drill and, and you know how to call it something better than an automatic drill, that means you know how to use it better than me. Okay, we need you to, <laughs> we need you to come and bring that thing. And uh, we'll have like cleaning the walls and getting the facility ready. But we'll also have serve projects in our city where we connect through our city and we send a lift throughout. So we want everybody not to take that week off. We want you to be the church that Sunday and serve somewhere, all right? We'll have a rally in the morning, and then we'll go serve that day. Sounds good? All right, cool. And then on the fourth, uh, fifth Sunday from now is the second nomadic day. We always have beach Sunday where we enjoy baptizing people on the beach in the evening. We've moved it to the morning. And so we are securing a permit to have a worship gathering on Assateague Beach um, on Sunday morning, July 16th. Pray for good weather because we'll have a worship experience outside on the beach. We'll have baptisms right there on the beach. And then we encourage you just to bring a picnic so that you can hang out and fellowship all day long. It's going to be a great day in God's nature out on the beach. Sound good? And then on July 23rd, our first 
Sunday in the new church home is happening. So mark your calendars on July 23rd. You're going to want to invite your friends into the new space as we figure it all out together. It's going to be so awesome. But I want you to not miss what God has done here for four and a half years, reaching hundreds of people, leading hundreds of people to a salvation decision with Jesus as their Lord and Savior. One more time, can you give it up for Jesus and all he does? It's not about a facility, y'all. It's not about where you meet. It's that you do meet and you don't forsake the assembling of the brethren because God knows how to move when two or more gather in his name. Amen. And so we're so glad about that. I hope that helps you get your timeline down a little bit. And I need you to pray. I need you to continue to pray fast. Believe for that timeline to happen. We're working hard. We don't need anything to hold us back. Continue to give. Continue to uh, believe with us. It's exciting, okay? Y'all ready for the word? Let's close this series up with goats number five. Hebrews 11. It says in verse 24, it was, say these next two words with me. By faith, let's do it again. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith, say by faith, that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. This week, I want to close out this series and inspire you from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 27, a by-faith message that I don't want you to miss. Now, on week one, my wife started this whole series asking the question, how do you get your faith story? How do you get your God story? And you got to do it by faith, which she so well said that it's by trust in God is faith. And then in week two, we talked about how to have a faith that pleases God. In week three, I taught you a simple principle to pray a generational blessing over the next generation and be used by God, even in such a simple way to have profound results. And then last week, I hope you enjoyed Pastor Marcus, one of our overseers. I heard so many of y'all share, man, that brother could preach. And I'm like, I know he inspires me all the time. And I love that he used the goat Rahab, who was known as a prostitute. And yet that was no excuse for her to disqualify herself from being used by God in a way that became the lineage of God as he preached a message that you are graced for victory. You got to start believing it by faith. God is gracing me for victory and he wants to use me and this week I want to conclude with how to make all of this faith series matter in a meaningful way I don't want it to just be heard I don't want it to be good for a season and it passes I want it to change your life and it matters so I've entitled this message let's go look at your neighbor and say let's go God we're asking you to mobilize us I'm asking you to boot any of us out of complacency anyone who's doubting I pray that you take us from a place that we are in and that you move us to a place where we are making a difference for the kingdom of God we love you in Jesus name I pray amen when I talk about having a series 
matter? It all comes down to two questions. And you need to write these questions down. You need to take notes. Put your phone on Do Not Disturb. And don't change apps. Don't go to social media. Don't answer your email. Just hear what God wants you to hear this morning. And the first of the two questions you need to ask is, which one? When you read Hebrews chapter 11, when you read any part of Scripture, you should ask, especially in Hebrews 11, which faith story, which goat is God speaking to me on? Like something seems to be popping out of the pages when I read. I, 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 I asked you in the beginning to do the homework of reading Hebrews 11. I'm going to ask you one more time. This afternoon or tomorrow morning, set a reminder. You can change apps if you need to set a reminder for a faith reason. Come on. Set a reminder. Read Hebrews 11 and ask the question, which one, which story jumps out at me? Y'all do know that the Bible is alive, y'all. These words are not dead ink on a paper that's stale and grown cold over the years since it's been written. The Bible says that the word is alive and powerful. Come on, look in your Bible, Hebrews 4, verse 12. It says, the word is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It can actually cut, as you read it, between your soul and your spirit, between joint and marrow, revealing and exposing our innermost thoughts and desires. In other words, the Bible is like no other book you've ever read because its words are alive. The Savior is alive. And when we read, we should expect a custom, tailor-made, personalized message there are times where i will read and something pops out at me and it speaks the message that it's the same but different for me can can i exact uh, 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 tell it to you in a different way i remember when i took a drama class in middle school and on the first day the teacher had about 30 students she said here's your assignment today we're about to all say a three-word sentence, I love you, but you are not allowed to say the sentence the same way as anyone said it before you. And so you had people going, I love you. And then you had somebody else going, I love you. You had someone else saying, I love you. You had somebody else going, <laughs> you see, the word I love you can have a same but different kind of connotation. Like for example, my wife and I love you. We pray for you so frequently. It is our heart's desire to do everything we can to equip you to walk further with God, closer to God, so that you feel not a relationship with us as much as you feel a relationship with your creator. And that you would realize why God put breath in your lungs and that you make a difference with your life. And that is our pleading. We pray for it often and we love you. We hope you love us too. But if you love us, I hope you don't love me the same way you love your spouse. So you might use the same sentence. It's got a, whole, a same but different kind of message. <laughs> and in the same way, you might read about Rahab or you might read about Moses or you might read about Joshua or Jacob and you're kind of like, what's God trying to leap into my spirit with this story about? You should do that when you read Scripture. You should constantly be asking, I know there's a universal message, and, and we can never twist Scripture, but God will sometimes prompt our heart to be an on-time God because he's an alive God. You ever had that moment where you're just like, I need a fresh word. What's the verse of the day? How many of y'all like the verse, of the, the verse of the day spoke right at the right time to me? You know what I'm talking about? 
because God's an alive God. And his word is alive. It's not stale. It's not old. It's, it's current. And so we should be asking ourselves, which one? In fact, if you aren't reading your word, it means you are missing out on a personalized letter written just for you. Because God knows how to prompt certain words, certain phrases, certain verses. For me, it was verse 12. For you, it was verse 13. And yet it was right on time. So you should be asking which one, which one jumps out. Here's the second question you should be asking, and I want to spend the most time on. The second question you should be asking is, now what am I going to do about it? What are you going to do about it just because a verse is popping out at me, just because a faith story is popping out at me? What am I going to do about it? Now, you can make excuses when something pops out at you and say, I'm inadequate, I don't have enough, I haven't been walking with you long enough, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm, I, I'm white, I'm black, I'm male, I'm female. You can make all kinds of excuses just like almost every one of the goats did. Because everybody in Hebrews 11 did not come out of the womb loving on the Lord that way. Maybe Enoch and he's about it. Everybody else, if you read their story, was a screw-up for quite a long time until they met with God. When they had an encounter with God, when God put it on their heart, when God got close, they changed things. In fact, the Bible says in verse 24, it was by faith Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, when you're in elementary or middle school, do you expect your muscles to grow up as you grow up come on some of us some of us young men we like looking in the, in the mirror we're like this is gonna be huge one day and we're like you know you, you ever seen that trick <laughs> how many of y'all in elementary or middle school expect your mind to grow up shouldn't we expect our spirit to grow up too in fact the bible has a lot to say about it it says you are so used to drinking milk, but you should not be on milk any longer. You should be eating meat. In other words, we are called to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. We are not called to stop. We are called to continue to walk with him. Our faith has to grow up. Our faith has to continue to grow. I've heard one pastor say it this way, that our walk with God is like being on an escalator that leads to God. The problem is the escalator moves ever so slightly backwards. That when you take a break, when you stand still, you are not just standing still. You are ever so slowly moving away from him. You are ever so slowly backsliding. And it is, a, it is a visual that helps me a lot because a lot of us will go, I've done this for so long. I used to volunteer. I used to read my word every day. I used to be passionate about this. But somewhere along the way, I stopped. And we cannot subscribe to a childish mentality of stopping and saying, that's enough out algebra. I don't need any more algebra in my life. You could stop on algebra as long as your career doesn't depend on algebra. <laughs> All right? Come on. If you're a pilot, don't stop there. Okay, anyway, I don't know. <laughs> but when it comes to your faith, we're called to just take a step. And here's the good news. That escalator is not moving fast. It's not hard to get closer to God. You just have to choose daily to walk in step with him. Can I get an amen? See, it was by faith when Moses grew up, he refused to have the old things. In fact, here's three action steps for your faith I need you to lean into today. Number one, make a fresh start. If you haven't done this by now, you're probably sitting around people who have. 
That doesn't mean you're too far behind and you can't catch up. No, we're rooting for you. We're praying for you. I remember in 2002 when I realized I need to start all over again and take a fresh start. Because I've been trying to fix my sin. I've been trying to fix my story. I've been trying to fix my past. And it's not working. I take two steps forward, three steps back. It's just not working like I hoped for. And that's because you need God's grace. And by God's grace, you could take a fresh start. One of the names we call Jesus is a redeemer. Because he redeems your old, broken story. Wipes away your sin. Gives you a clean slate and says you can start all over again. That's our great good news of the gospel. That's our God. That's what Jesus does for us. You need to take him up on that promise and make a fresh start. Here's three ways I suggest you do number one and make a fresh start. Number one, make a fresh start for your reputation. Hebrews eleven twenty four says, when Moses grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter anymore. He said, that used to be my story. That used to be my reputation. That used to be who I was. It came with all kinds of stuff. I refuse to be known by that reputation anymore. I'm going to leave it because I would rather walk in step with God and be known for what he's doing in my life. I don't care if you can identify with Rahab who should have said my reputation is a prostitute. God can't use me. And yet God, in spite of the reputation, said I'm here for anyone who will lean into me. Anyone who will accept what my son has done. Is there anyone here today who's thankful that your reputation has been changed and that most people know you by your new reputation? You could have sit down and say, oh, if we could sit down and have a cup of coffee, I could tell you what the Lord's done for me. What you're seeing is not coming out of the womb fixed like this. What you're seeing, I used to have a reputation too. And God met me. And when God touched my life, he changed me. He gave me a clean slate. And what you're seeing now is my new reputation. You need to make a clean, fresh start with a new reputation. No longer knowing, known for being the addicted one. No longer known for being the cheating one. No more uh, uh, known for being the lying one. No more known for being the nasty one. No more known for being the porn addicted one. Come on, God wants to change your reputation today from someone who is broken and has shame and regrets and uh, has a new reputation, victorious in Christ. Tell your neighbor, you grace for victory. You just have to accept it through Jesus Christ. Am I connecting with anyone today? J.R. Miller says, the only thing that walks back from the tomb with the mourners and refuses to be buried is the character of a man. Your reputation is long-lasting past, past your last breath of air. To say it again, the only thing that walks back from the tomb with the mourners and refuses to be buried is the character of a man. I love what Ecclesiastes 7.7 says, A good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. You need a new reputation. And if your old has been tainted, praise God, we have a redeemer named Jesus. And he could change your reputation. Here's the second way you should have a fresh start. Make a fresh start of your priorities and patterns. The Bible says about Moses in verse 25, he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. 
You need to understand something. Our Bible is not so out of touch that it doesn't realize that you and I desire sin. That it is not so out of touch that it doesn't even admit. Yes, seeding sin is pleasurable. It just adds it's for a temporary season. And after the intoxication wears off, after you have realized what has just happened, it leaves you with shame, regret, guilt, condemnation. And so the Bible is very clear. Oh, I'm not lying with you, and I'm not saying that sin isn't fun. It's just fun for a very short season, and you and I both know it. But Moses chose a different set of priorities and patterns that he left the old behind, and he took up a new pattern. He even said, I'd rather suffer with God's people than to go back to uh, the pleasure palace of Egypt. I think too many Christians today can be too emotional where as long as God's good for me, I'll be allegiant to him and I'll be obedient to him and I'll give him my best as long as he hooks me up. But God wants me to be happy. That's not what our Bible says. Our Bible says he saved you from your sin. That's enough. That is enough. And some of these goats you'll read about were actually martyred. Some of them were tortured. Some of them were shipwrecked. Some of them were in prison, and yet the Bible says he gave all of them a good reputation because of their faith. I don't want to be so shallow that I say I give up at the first hardship. I need to change my priorities and my patterns so that I walk in step with God. In fact, go in all year for just one year. Come every Sunday. Go into the grow track. Serve. Give. Pray along with us. If you do the steps we've laid out for you, I promise you after 365 days, you'll say, I don't even recognize my old self. God has been good. Give us a year. Give it a try. And see what happens in your life. Philippians 2.12 says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He'll give you a new desire even if you say, Pastor Drew, I don't desire to read my word yet. I don't desire to do the right things yet. If you will walk out in faith, God won't violate your will. He's saying, if you take a step out, I will meet you and you will walk on water. But I'm not going to force you out of the boat. I give you the choice to walk it out. And if you do, I will then download the desire to do it. You're going to say after two weeks, come on. I, I didn't know what it said for about a week. And then all of a sudden, it started coming alive to me. Anybody else can testify that's what God did in your life. Come on. Here's the third thing to take a fresh start on. Take a fresh set of values. Verse 26 says, come on, that movie's getting it, but we got something more powerful going on over here. Verse 26 says, Moses thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead for his great reward. In other words, I'm not staying in my pleasure palace. I'm not staying where it's all nice and comfortable, I'm going to step out into the new, and I'm going to step out into a fresh start. I'm no longer going to value sex, money, and glory, and fame. I'm going to step out with a new set of values, a value that says, if I can see God, that's enough. I'll have all that I need. So three action steps that I think you should take for your faith. Number one, make a fresh start. Number two, cast off restraint. Cast off resistance. You do know that the moment you walk into faith, 
you're getting closer to realizing why you were put on this earth and God meets you with power and boldness from the Holy Spirit and that makes the enemy scared so sometimes when you encounter resistance oftentimes what we hear in our heads is you're not good enough I can't believe you thought that prayer would uh, 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 save you. I can't believe you would think God could use you. I can't believe you would think you could be a goat. Who do you think you are? I can't believe you think God would use your voice. I can't believe you would think God would use your income as measly as it is. I can't believe you would think God could fix your marriage. I can't believe you would think he can use your kids. Come on. He's constantly trying to offer resistance. And why? Because he knows you're starting to figure it out. He knows that when you figure it out that you'll realize that God has equipped you with power to stomp on Satan's neck. He's scared of you. See, oftentimes when you don't encounter resistance, it's probably because you're doing something that doesn't threaten Satan at all in the kingdom of hell. It is at the very moment that you start figuring out who you are and why you're alive that all of a sudden you should expect resistance. Oftentimes resistance tells me I'm on the right track and I got Satan all scared because I've got the authority. I've got the authority. See, I wrote it this way and I hope it makes sense. In World War II, the Axis powers didn't attack Canada and the Allied powers didn't attack Mexico. Why? Because they weren't a threat. When you're in a war, there's resistance towards the threat. And so when you start figuring out who you are with God, a little resistance, I take every thought captive and I say, no, devil, you might try to condemn me and you might try to throw me back in a trap, but can I remind you that your eternity is a perpetual trap. I'm not the one called to stay in the old things. God has forgiven me. He set me free. I have a word to stand on. And by the way, I'm standing on you too when I stand on his word. So you've got to cast off resistance. Don't use excuses. Come on. Moses could have used the excuse of I've got a stutter. I can't do something with my faith. And yet God said, I don't care what your weakness is. Hebrews 11:34 says all of their weaknesses was turned to strength. In other words, if you've got an excuse like I'm a prostitute, if you got an excuse like um, I'm not as close to God as uh, 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 Abraham, Isaac and Jacob were. God can turn your weakness into a strength. Don't stop at your excuses. I should ask the question, if God can do that in Moses and every one of these goats, then what's your excuse? He can do it through you too. So don't stop at resistance. Cast it off. Is this helping anybody? Come on. And number three, leave your comfort zone. Here's the third action step I need you to take. Leave your comfort zone. It says in verse 27, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eye on the one who is invisible. I don't know what your land of Egypt is. I don't know what your pleasure palace is. I don't know what your land of comfort is. I don't know where your surroundings, where I can just chill and take it easy and not move forward is. But it's time, like Moses, to go ahead and take a faith step. Come on, go ahead and leave your comfort zone saying that I'm going to step out by faith. I'm going to leave the old ways behind. I'm going to believe that God's going to use me in a new way. I don't know what it is you need to leave. Maybe it is a current job. We have a dream teamer up in this room today. 
roommate who for a few months was um, debating on whether to leave her job and it wasn't making a lot of sense and there was a lot of turmoil there and it just seemed like there was a, a fighting against the wind and yet we prayed and we fasted and we felt like maybe you're supposed to leave that job behind. She has reported that the new job she got immediately not only pays more, it's a healthier place. She is more effective and fruitful there. The Lord knows how to use you, but you have to step out of your comfort zone. I don't know if it's your job. Maybe for many of you it's not. Maybe it's your friends. And you're still holding on to an old group of friends, believing this is my comfort zone. But can I tell you, do not be deceived. Bad company will corrupt good character. Don't be deceived and think, I'm the only one who's going to beat that stat. There are times where you have to say, this is my comfort zone. But I'm actually going to leave my comfort zone. I'm going to join a small group. And maybe God wants to start a new thing in my life because he's doing a new reputation in me. And he's doing something. Maybe it's time to leave a stronghold or a bondage. It's time that I'm no longer going to be addicted to porn. No longer going to be addicted to alcohol dependency. No longer, out, no longer addicted to substances. No longer getting my faith walked through somebody else. I'm going to leave strongholds and bondages behind. It's time to step out of your comfort zone and believe God will meet you there. Maybe stepping out of the someone else will do it mentality. You've heard God prompt you before. Somebody should pray for them. Somebody should invite them to church. Somebody should encourage them. Somebody should go visit them at the hospital, and you think, somebody should do that. Somebody else will do it. Then you start praying, God, would you send the person that you're trying to send over there? And God's like, I'm not hearing that prayer because I started by putting it on your heart. Somebody should start that small group. Somebody should care enough to send a meal. Somebody should give towards that cause, and you're like, God, would you answer that? I'm, I'm trying to. But you're so comfortable with your budget or you're so comfortable with your crew or you're so comfortable with ESPN on to watch the big game that I can't get you to leave your comfort zone to go touch another person's life. I know, I know, come on. I'm in the same boat with you. And I have to constantly say my faith calls me out of my comfort zone. But every single time God meets me in it, and he does exceedingly abundantly more than I can ask or think. If you could testify to that, go ahead and give God a big hand clap of praise. The band's going to come join me. Maybe you got to leave complacency. Here's one quick way to do that. I'm going to Israel next year. And if the, the Bible's maybe like uh, not as fresh and alive to you, maybe you need to get out of complacency and invest in a trip that's going to uh, uh, bless your spirit going forward listen i'm going to israel in june of 2024 there's an interest meeting coming up uh, a, a few mondays from now write it down come it doesn't commit you to going but maybe at the very least you get inspired by the living word like jesus walked on this water that i'm now touching at the sea of galilee like this is where peter was called out of his old life this is where jesus did the sermon on the mount this is where jesus carried his cross this is where jesus was crucified and died this is where King David set up the first tabernacle. Come on, maybe you can do that. Maybe you can't, and that's okay, but you got to get out of your complacency, get out of your isolation by joining a small group today. Today's small group Sunday. Get out of isolation. Leave your comfort zone and do something that's going to bless your life. And so I conclude by saying this. 
I'm crazy enough to believe that God wants to do something heroic in every single one of us, that God has a plan for every one of our lives. And your faith, it might not be a headline goat that goes in a magazine or a newspaper or a blog somewhere, but I can promise you he's got a heavenly goat in every single one of us, that somebody will show up in heaven and go, because of this person's faith, God used them to touch me, and as far as I'm concerned, second to Jesus, they're the greatest of all time because I would have lived an eternity in hell if it was not for these types of goats. And so can I finish by just giving you an example of one team of goats? Um, in our church, I'm going to do something unconventional, and I'm going to walk a little bit and uh, take it to camera three, y'all. Come on, I always want to say that while I was preaching and I wish I could talk about every single team in the church, but I'm going to do for one what I wish I could do for every single one. And I want to highlight this media team right here. And Taylon, come on around. Y'all give it up for Taylon. Y'all give it up for all the media team. We've had 84 first-time visitors this year. Come on, guys. 84 first-time visitors. And just four weeks ago, I had five of them say, we've been watching online for a year just to check out if, if how God was you, building the church, if he could touch me, if everything was healthy, would, would, would God use? And listen, I want you to know that God's been using these luxurious half inch by half inch thumbnails of a camera. And you can see they're telling me I'm over on my time. Thank you very much. This is a 12-year-old who is being used by God every single week to edit down a professional-level broadcast. We got a light team. We got a sound team making sure it's as good as we can make it in person and online. It's going through this device right here and it's being uploaded to the web as we speak. The problem is, walk with me, Taylon. The problem is a movie theater is set up to crush the Internet. Why? Because they don't want you pirating the next movie they let out. And so I'm going to take you behind the scenes for you to see that a little bit of faith is all it takes to make a big difference in a lot of people's lives. 84 to be exact. Because this wire right here is running from that device up there. Come on out back with me. Let's go backstage pass. Come on. It says emergency exit only. Alarm will sound. It won't sound because we've gone out of it a million times at 6 a.m. where a group of people... 50 or more come and set up a movie theater and they don't just take care of the people in person but in case you're sick or online they are making sure that everybody gets the greatest lift in life that's Jesus Christ and so they set up this court that goes about 200 yards outside because there's no cellular signal there's no online internet in the building and so we upload it through a cellular device in fact if I go any further might lose the camera feed but you'll be able to hear me look at where this wire goes it goes into the back of a white hyundai sonata we run it through a trunk since 2020 and it goes through a trunk why because it's weatherproof that way come on when it snows or it rains we can still send a signal up and the signal's not strong enough in this alley so we go practically in the parking lot where there's an extension cord coming from another movie theater it's going into a white sonata and we have an hd antenna uploading it to the sky why because every soul matters and so 
Come on, y'all give it up for this team of people who says, if you ask them, if you ask them, they would say, I'm not doing anything super special. I'm just using my gift. And yet God has used that gift to touch at least 84 people who are checking out the online feed every single week and deciding, can I find a church home that I can meet Jesus with? doesn't take a lot to be used by God to be someone's ghost. It just takes stepping out of your comfort zone, leaving your place of resistance, taking a fresh start, helping other people do it too. Can I pray for you? God, I'm so grateful for every person in person and online under the sound of my voice. If you're hearing me online, we welcome you. We say, come on, get over here. We got three more weeks in the theater. We'd love to see you. But Father, I thank you that if we lift up the name of Jesus, you call all people unto you. God, I thank you that you're the greatest lift in life. And Father, I pray you lift people out of complacency or childish mentality or selfishness, pride, guilt, condemnation. Lift them out of the old place and by faith, help them take a new start today. In fact, with every head still bowed, every eye still closed, I'm not going to call you down or embarrass you, but I have a suspicion there are many here who, like me, um, in 2002, I needed to get some things right with God. And when I heard you could make a fresh start, I said, I'm all in. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, but I won't call you forward. And raising your hand doesn't save you, but what it does do is say, God, I'm here today, and I know I've got sin in my life I want to repent of, and I want to take a fresh start. And so when I count to three, whether you're in person or online, come on, we're going to celebrate the decision you're making. One, two, three. If that's you, just throw your hand high and just say, that's me. I'm giving my life to Christ today. I'm asking him to forgive me of my sins. Come on, would y'all give it up for the hands that I'm seeing throughout the room? Yes, yes, thank you. I see you. For everybody who's online, write in the chat, hey, I'm in too, because we want to follow up with you. And so here's what we're going to do. The whole church is going to pray with those who raise their hands. If you raise your hand, I need you to believe it with everything in your heart. Come on, let's pray. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I know I'm a sinner. I've made a lot of mistakes. I ask you to forgive me now. I'm so sorry for hurting you, but I know you're giving me a fresh start. It's because Jesus is the Lord, and when he died on that cross, he died to set me free. His blood wiped away my sin. And so I, let, I make you my Lord. You are my Savior. I thank you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's celebrate right now as we say amen.